0: for the kingdom belongs to His sheep.
1: And your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Fear not, little lamb, for the kingdom belongs to His Hey, and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Sam. And today we are covering um, much more sensitive material than we normally do. So um, for those. That are sensitive, you might want to be aware that we're going into a conversation about abuse and uh, survival and coping, and that it's a pretty heavy episode. So, um, trigger warning be forewarned. Uh, Vincenza's story is a story of hope and um, a really amazing story, at least what I know of it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think this is going to be a really, really important episode. So, thank you, Vincenza, yeah. and welcome welcome
2: to Sydney. Yes, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
1: we're happy about it. We're really happy to have you on. Uh, why don't you tell our audience just a little bit about who you are?
2: Um, well, I am a 32-year-old Black stay-at-home wife, currently living in Southeast Queensland, Australia. Um I came here to be with my husband who is um he is Aussie and we met online. I know that's kind of weird for some people, but um <laughs> um we just celebrated 5 years of marriage this past weekend Yay. and we also celebrated 5 years this past August of me being in be me being here in Australia. Um because I, I recently just became a permanent residence, um, which means I don't get to be shipped back to the U.S. anytime soon. Right. <laughs> um, and that I'm now able to consider citizenship. I think it's like four years now for that. And I finally, then I can basically become an Aussie. Um, cool. Australia is not my home home. Um, I am an American. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, but I have lived many other places like Georgia, Mississippi, Kentucky, basically. So yeah, yeah that's, that's it. pretty much it.
1: You know, it's funny. I feel like I really identify with you on a couple of different <laughs> levels. One because we're both Georgia girls on some level. Yeah. <laughs> but also you and I both mo- made our move abroad moves abroad for love in August mm-hmm. of
2: 2015.
1: Oh yeah. So, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. w- yeah, I would have been coming up on 5 years too had we stayed in mm. the Netherlands. So, okay. It's really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs>
1: How do you know Vincenza? I don't know if I know. Did you guys meet in Reform Libertarian? Was that?
0: Yeah,
2: um, we did.
1: Yeah,
0: and I was much less grown than I than I am today. <laughs> I would like to say, and uh, I'm I'm honestly surprised that at a certain point I don't know what happened, but at a certain point, Vincenza and I connected outside of me being less grown and obnoxious um (laughs) so I don't remember specifically when that was um we have a pretty good mutual friend so I don't know if that played into it but she started putting up with me and uh I mean we've been talking and I mean we both have chronic illness stuff going on too and Mm. so that's been it's been a connector there because yeah it's a pretty significant part of your life so
1: (laughs) yeah i know that's been for both of you guys like a really huge um huge thing especially
0: when you're trying to oh sorry go ahead
2: no sorry um i was just going to say i think like the different circles we've kind of been in with like if it's uh maybe the libertarian aspect of things or like um dealing with um you know, different things kind of going on, and the whole reformed landia type thing. Um, I think we kind of connected somewhere in between yeah.
0: that. <laughs> At some point, it came to pass. <laughs> We're like, yeah. hey, we
1: actually like each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that that happened because now, too. now yeah. We are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Vincenza, why don't we go ahead and. Dive into your story. Uh, for the audience, we're gonna start with uh her early childhood and go on from there kind of uh through her you know adolescence and then um things she's learned from all of this as an adult. So yeah, why don't you take us through a little bit of your um your childhood and what that was like?
2: Okay. <laughs> um so I first and foremost, I didn't really Grow up in a Christian home. Um, my exposure to anything remotely Christian was really just going to church on Sunday, maybe Easter, or getting invited by, you know, a family member just to say, "Oh, come to church. You know, Vincenzo will like it. You'll like it. You know." And other than that, I I don't think we really ever made it to church. Um, I think uh, early on I saw my parents kind of have an adverse reaction to anything to do with the church. I didn't understand why at the time. Um, Throughout my childhood, um, I had a great deal of learning issues um, growing up. Um, I had seizures throughout my childhood. I got to a point where I was having to have speech therapy because my speech was just abs- was really, really slow. Um, mm. I had family members always make fun of me about how slow I talked. I always was just like, I don't know how to not make my speech not slow, but yeah. that's just kind of how it was. And because of that, I was very mute um I didn't talk I was afraid to say anything in front of anybody um and a lot of the time people kind of took that as like well even just as a child they kind of took that as like well she's just you know stuck up doesn't want to talk and I'm like no I I, I'm thinking to myself in my head I do want to talk I'm just afraid of how I will sound and I was afraid of being made fun of for the way that I talked and that was something that kind of followed me all throughout school of, you know, she talks really funny. What's going on with her, you know? Um,
1: um, and so I, d- sorry, to, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was just wondering, you said you were afraid of being made fun of now. Mm. Was that by your family as well, like your parents as well as other kids? Um. Yeah, it, it was like, it's like that weird thing
2: of like you don't want to be the person who's always like so sad about being made fun of and so you just kind of like yeah haha that's funny and deep down inside I'm like yeah you know like, like why are people always making fun of me and sometimes I would just splash out and then I would be embarrassed that I even said anything. So oh, man. <laughs> um but yeah, so I had the speech issues and then um I I don't know, I always had these behavior issues in class where, you know, talking too much, you know, teacher told me to be quiet, I could not stop talking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, which is a very interesting thing given this whole speech aspect of things. Um, but at the same time, it was also like, um, I remember I, I actually got kicked out of school because I like kicked the teacher because she was like really getting in my face about what it was that I wasn't doing or following directions or something like that. Wow. And because of that, I almost failed kindergarten.
0: Um,
2: wow. They would kick out
0: over that. Such a small age. Yeah, they.
2: Um, I have to say that one thing I've noticed now as an adult is how harshly I was treated as a child mm-hmm. in my school. Um, maybe more so than uh, the other classmates. I don't honestly know why that was. I mean, I'm. I. I feel like I struggle sometimes of like, of course, I was, you know, just. A sinful child, <laughs> like just doing random stuff. You know, I, I can't tell you why I did those things, um, but yeah, I I've almost failed kindergarten and I almost failed the second grade as well too, um, just because of behavior and learning issues, um, and you know, between that, I am. I was exposed sexually at a very young age. Like I would say about six, I was exposed, six or seven, I was exposed by cousins. Um, I think it, I think that comes down to like um, kids being very wanting to explore and understand why that works or this works. And for me, I didn't, I didn't understand anything about my body, like, we talk about, like, body, um, like, um, consent, uh, you know, talking about when someone says, no, don't do that, like, I didn't have any of that knowledge at all, I didn't understand my own body, um, you know, and I think that's, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of a thing with maybe parents during the 90s of just not really having that language there to say, oh, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this because, you know, like, I I just never got a conversation about, um, you know, sex or, a conversation about my own body or I did I had no idea what was going on other than when this happens oh wow this may feel weird I don't understand what's even happening um so
1: I have a quick uh question just about about yeah. that it seems to me like even in addition to, like when I, yeah, more than just not having the conversation with your parents that yeah. you were in an environment where I don't, I don't know if you were respected in general, uh, yeah. or at least I know that you, I know that you weren't. And hearing you kind of talk about your experience in school, um, I have, uh, you know, I was a Montessori toddler teacher for a while Mm, and then mm. older the yeah the adolescent teacher as well and Mm. we had a few students that had to come from public school because of behavioral issues and Mm. um, knowing what I know now about why these behavioral issues come about and I it really um while I know that humans are sinful from the you know we have a sinful bent, we have our sin nature and all of that. It really um, just brings my heart down in such a way when I hear people kind of talk about it as if it's their um, as if it's their fault. You know when you're like five, <laughs> you know what I mean and you're kicking your teacher who's in your face at like six mm-hmm. years old. And that, you know, all of that brings this sense of real, like a huge lack of control over yourself and just, it's almost as if you were actively taught that you didn't matter and that your body wasn't yours and that you, like, you were just at the whim of other people. Is that fair to say? yeah um
2: i so I feel like um so I guess another part of that is growing up in the dynamic that I grew up with um an alcoholic father and even my mother to an extent too mm-hmm. of where you know um they were constantly having fights they were con- like my the arguments that I often heard were about my dad's addiction and hmm. about him, you know, he would just randomly say, well, I'm going to go do something and we wouldn't see him till maybe three weeks later or something. Wow. Um, and he would just kind of come back like, why are y'all tripping? Like, it's okay. You know, and it would just oh, hmm. always be like, you know, wow. Okay. You know, you just get to go away for three three weeks and come back like nothing happened. I know this was when and, you
1: were a child, like a young child as well? Yes. Wow. Um, and...
2: You know, because he was constantly lying about everything, like where what he was doing, where he was going. And he would just be super compulsive with his buying. And I'll admit, when I was a little child, I took advantage of that because I was like, I'm getting a Barbie doll out of this. You know, (laughs) I mean, not thinking the bigger picture of it, because after a while, that did get old. Of Like, you know, why can't you just not? Be like this, you know,
1: yeah.
2: um and not understanding that my dad's addictions and, you know, different things of that nature had nothing to do with me either. Um, mm-hmm. But I did see him, you know, get so, you know, um, like get so drunk that it landed him in the hospital. And mm-hmm. I did see him go to rehab. I don't know how many times now I've seen him try to go and it made him sick as well, um, trying to get clean. Um, and I, I, I think as a child, it, there was, I guess that moment where I started to understand my dad's addiction, um, was, it was a, like, it was a, a bad thing because i started to notice him be more of um i felt like i was getting two fathers or two different versions of my dad Mm. um i remember i was watching a um an old school movie, um, The Pagemaster. And the part of it that really stuck out to me was the part where they went to um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's uh, house or whatever. And I, I instantly would start making little imaginative things about my dad and saying, that's actually my dad. That's Dr.
0: Jekyll. Mr. So Hyde that's yeah. my dad making connections and between the story and your life yes yes and um that's like I mean that's a major um phrase that's used when talking about abusers like of all different mm-hmm. sorts too is is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing so for you to see that at such a young age make that connection mm-hmm. just wow yeah
2: um and so it's like with the alcoholism, with the being exposed uh, sexually. And then my mother kind of enters in with a a mixture of either micromanaging me to the point of like hurting me. (laughs) Mm. Or she was kind of like, you're on your own if I kind of, in any way said you were hurting me. Like, for example, um, I shared this with my husband one time of just kind of explaining to him why as an adult now I'm really sensitive to people touching me. Mm. And, um, I was saying to him that my mom, um, she would like, if I wasn't washing myself properly or something, she would come and do it. And she was just always like super rough with me about it like there was no like gentle hands or anything it was just like you need to get yourself washed and I would just freak out because I'm like why are you hurting me and then she would just kind of be like okay well do it yourself then and then that turned into you know I tried to learn I would ask her can she maybe show me how to do I had to brush my teeth properly or she saw that I wasn't brushing my teeth properly. And then she would come and just be super rough. Just like, you need to brush your teeth. You need to get on there. Mm. And it, it just, it was like, you're literally hurting me. And I got to the point where my, I got to the point with my whole dentist experience, I guess with my teeth, like I had, um, gums covering my teeth and I had to get that surgically, uh, scraped off. Oh, I had wow. to have like, I can't remember. I think it was a, I think it was about like seven shots cause they had it on, to have it on different parts to like numb it when they were shaving off all oh, of goodness. the gums that, and I know it can be a pretty common things with kids, I guess, mm-hmm. um, But it was just one of those, I guess, reminders of like, you know, when, you know, when she did think, when she tried to teach me things or if I wasn't doing something correctly, she would just be so like angry with me about it. And I didn't understand why. And then when I, like, it was like, then I was being left alone to kind of, um, figure it out for myself and honestly as a child i didn't really know um hey maybe brushing my teeth is the thing to do (laughs) you know like i didn't totally
0: developmentally but especially if you were struggling anything executive function related that whole Mm -hmm. ordeal sounds like the absolute worst thing yeah someone could do yeah
1: i was going to say if you're struggling in honestly, hygiene and brushing your teeth and washing yourself well, like, kids don't do that well. You know, they, I mean, they don't know, they don't
0: care. No,
1: most kids (laughs) even into, like, sometimes even, like, tween years, like, 12, 13, they're, like, not 13. When I start, like, you know, hitting puberty, it's, like, kind of changes a bit. But, like, Mm. uh, you know, kids just don't even care about it. And then on top of Mm. that, with, you know, having... Um, you know, just probably a lot of fear around doing things properly or improperly. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I would be scared out of my mind if I knew my mom was going to come up and do that, you know, like,
2: yeah. And so there, there was that heightened sense of, um, I, I was really a loner. Um as a child, I did is like I did have those patches. I did want friends, but I guess I kind of got to the point i wasn 't as scared to be alone because I did feel like being alone meant i don 't have to be bothered with people doing harmful things to me being safe um yeah, being safe um you know, and I think that was kind of a I guess a thing of like that really influenced maybe why as, why as a child, I did a lot of things by myself, mm-hmm. but I, I really, when I, it's like, when I look back on my childhood, I really felt like, um, you know, I got to an age where I seriously felt like, um you know, my mom despised me and mm-hmm. I couldn't really understand why. Um, Like, for example, I asked her once, like, um, you know, when am I going to have, like, a baby brother or sister or whatever? Because I really was always, I'm the only child. And so I was always curious, like, am I going to have a brother and sister, like, Mm -hmm. you know, other people I know. And she told me that she didn't want to have another one of me or, like, she didn't want another kid that was just gonna act just like me. Um, you know, just like even um yeah, just even dealing with like behavioral issues that came as a result of being exposed sexually. Um the way that she disciplined me in regards to that whole thing was just super traumatic. Um I don't think she knows to this day how much of that really, uh, messed me up when it comes to sexuality and different things of that nature. Mm. Um, but I, I think that it would have seemed like you would have maybe taken, taken me to the side and been like, something's going on. What is that? You yeah. know? Um, and that question never got Asked by her, or she didn't really push further. Other, other than just, at, I think it. I think it's hard for parents when it comes to having a child who is acting out sexually, and they are now other children were in the mix for me, mm. and so I can understand. I guess her anger of like, what are you doing? like, what is going on? But I guess that trying to get down to the answer of, like, why I was acting out or what was going on. And I did share to her, like, my cousins were teaching me how to do this. Right. And this is where I got it from. And she just completely was like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, So it just kind of... So it was like a, a lot of things, you know. Um, I I do think that, you know, my family dynamic with my parents was a scapegoat because I felt like my behavior was seen more so as um, the reason for why everything bad was going on in our family, rather than seen as the symptom of something that's actually happening in our family with the whole alcoholism and so on and so forth happening. Um, And my extended family, um, I don't think they know a lot of this stuff, Um, have shared a very small portion with them. And I feel like they don't even believe anything that I'm saying because it's just like they had no idea that it was happening Um, I think that my mom too was probably too proud to say anything because I think a big thing with, especially with black families is it's always about, you know, you don't want everybody in your business. You don't Mm -hmm. want everybody to, um, you know, to know certain things and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of shame with that as well. Um, and so I think that my mom was just kind of too proud to say anything, or um, a lot of people in my family kind of had this chin-up attitude, like, you just need to get yourself together, and you just need to do A, B, and C, and move on. And it was never a, well, clearly, she is struggling. You know, my mom basically was a single mother at this point, because my dad was just in and out of the mix. He was not any source of stability as far as income nothing in our home um so she was doing it all on her own um you know and that you know that was a big thing um so it
1: it sounds a lot like you are also doing it all alone in a way and that that Responds from your mom to the teeth brushing was kind of how she handled, um, handled all the things. A real uh, like angry at you, for, I mean, you're a child. You know, like you don't know what this is. You don't know what these things are. You, you like you have no. I mean, at at how old? Like five, six, seven, eight. You know, you don't have this like real adult um responsibility you know mm-hmm. i mean if if we're in like bible times here y- like you wouldn't even be at all subject to the law i mean you would be taught you know what the law is and all of these things but y- like you have no moral culpability at that point you know it's mm-hmm. not something you can because you're, you you were a baby you know mm-hmm. and for her to be so, to do that anger thing, and then to just, like, hands off. It's just, I want to, I know I've said this to you before, but I feel it, I just want to, like, grab little Vincenzo, you know, like, I, like, I imagine my son, I imagine Calvin going through even, like, a pinky nail, like, a smidgen of what you've gone through, and it just absolutely shatters me, and I, like, it just breaks my heart for, for uh, you having to cope with this at such a young age.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom, um, I think I told you this one time, I think you were talking about the whole cry it out thing, um, in the gentle parenting group. And, uh, you know, I was, I think I remember telling you about how my mom just prides herself of like, um, she would say to me, well, when you were a baby, I would just leave you to yourself and you would just figure it out at some point to stop crying. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered, I was like, how many times did that even happen? You know? And, and just thinking to myself, um, I later was saying to my therapist, I was like, Every time I cried in my household, my parents either completely left me alone or they mocked me for crying.
0: Well, and for the, I mean, the way that you've described your family and how they viewed you with, um, with not really talking a lot, as if you were kind of like stuck up. It's just, I'm like, but you guys did the things to cause mm-hmm. some of the circumstances or to exacerbate them. So that just, just kind of blows my mind. Like there was really no way for you to get around their their projection and their anger.
2: Yeah. Um it it really did feel like a lot of the times like I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. Yeah. You know, there was no way for me to um you know really communicate in an environment that it was like I I was trying to find a way to communicate and I I, I don't under I it's like as a child I didn't understand what that was, but I was I guess I was trying to find my way though in some way and I felt like there were all these signals kind of being blared out there and no and nobody was paying attention um yeah. to those signals and instead just kind of being like, Okay, well, you know, that's not a thing. And a lot of that has to do with the dynamic of being in an alcoholic home, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the biggest things with alcoholics is they hide, you know, they're looking to, um, you know, keep the spotlight on the addiction (laughs) away from whatever, you know, whatever way they can, you know, to not have that spotlight on. Well, here is a big point of why we're seeing you know, so much of the issues that I was dealing with. Um, and, um, you know, so I guess into, you know, late childhood, teenage years, um, I kind of got involved in baton twirling. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that type yeah, of thing. Definitely. But, <laughs> um, but I, I joined like a competitive team And um, to a degree, it was a bit encouraging to finally be, I guess, in an environment where it was like, you know, I was being cheered for and I didn't get that aspect in the beginning of it, at least. Um, Like I was being made fun of or looked a certain way or anything Mm. like that. I felt like I was really being celebrated in the beginning, you know, and that's what honestly, it drew me in automatically because of that. Mm. Um, and I also, I, I really enjoyed the sport, uh, the sport of baton traveling. I still do. Um, and it was, it was just amazing to see like the competitive level of it. And it really, it was, I think it was a very, um, it was a very encouraging thing for me. And I, I don't guilt my mom for, entering me into that, you know, um, because I think at that time she was trying to kind of maybe just kind of push me in different directions and see what I liked, I guess. Um, And, you know, I was able to do a lot of different things at school at the time, um, you know, kind of because I had, um, I guess, because I had, failed in second grade, I was, was able to repeat it in a brand new school, um, than the one that I was going to previously. And to be, I think I would say I had a pretty encouraging time at that school. I didn't really have a lot of issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I guess there was that there was moments where, um, you know, I, I did do things here and there that happened that I got in trouble for, but it wasn't, I guess, as severe as when early on. I guess, um, but yeah, during this time, I'm still kind of dealing with my parents' you know alcohol problem. Um, I, I started to notice when I got. Um, as I got older, especially with the baton twirling thing, being around other girls and so on and so forth, like you notice, like they get to shave under their armpits and their legs and there's a bit more focus on beauty and different things of that nature and just kind of feeling really out of place because I didn't feel like that was my thing at all. Mm. but. I guess it was one of those things of like, oh, the other girls get to shave their legs. Maybe I should try that, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. And but then here it is with my mom's either micromanaging or just kind of leaving me on my own. I used to get severely punished for shaving my legs. Um, oh. I would try to. Um, I had an embarrassing moment where a um, one of the chaperones on the baton twirling trip that I was going on um, had kind of said to me, you need to shave under your arms. And she kind of did that in front of the other girls. She didn't oh, really take me to the side. She just kind of was like, see don't you feel better you need to shave your arm under your armpits and I kind of became that girl of like oh she doesn't shave under her armpits you know and there was yeah there was a lot of humiliation about that I that kind of followed me throughout my entire time being with that specific baton twirling group
1: and again um, I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys hear that, but it's kind of an echo sometimes when Sam and I talk, but um, you are basically at the whim of your mom. You are at the whim of whoever you, uh, your body is not your own. You are not able to um, do the things you need to do, even in an area where she may have encouraged previously now she's punishing you extremely and it sounds like um you know i think about this um this timeline all the time in my uh, just in just thinking about children who are abused i Mm -hmm. if i see a kid who's being yelled at in public and you just feel that shame that they're feeling, you know, they're in the grocery store parking lot and their mom's, you know, whipping their butt and he's screaming and you want to just run up and be like, stop. And you think you, you have such compassion for that, for that child, but then you know that there is a really strong likelihood of that child growing up and continuing that pattern. And, um, and then when you look at an abuser an adult who is now mm-hmm. culpable for their actions and you see that that child that was likely abused in them it is just this you know i can hear your mom's or t- like your mom's story and the things that you're talking about with her and i think man there's so much that she has buried in her own self, you know, and that of course does not absolve her from anything, but it's like, it's just kind of horrifying to, to think about this, um, this, the pattern that this kind that this type of abuse and ignoring of your own feelings and being at the whim of other people and not having your own autonomy and, you know, all of these things It just, it propagates itself. You know what I mean? It mm. continues itself. It feeds on itself. It you, ca- you Like when you hurt someone else, they have an, a wound now that they either have to deal with or they're going to try and cover up and it's likely going to come out on somebody else. And it's just this endless mm. back and forth of hurting hurt people hurting people.
0: Mm. Mm. I was thinking earlier when you were talking about certain... Uh, specific examples mostly with like the body related stuff with your mom is that like I was like she sounds like really stressed out and out of yes. control and she has to have control over something and it kind of like we have really different backgrounds but it reminded me of like now looking back into my childhood seeing the times where my mom was struggling um, and like that need to have control over something. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, like it just goes mm-hmm. back and back and back and it's dominoes that go forever. <laughs> Unless mm-hmm. someone can, can kind of step up and be like, wait a second, hang on. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I like this, not to cut you off Vincenzo, but I just mm-hmm. want to say this is like where I really want to get uh, in a few minutes with this is how you have, um, come out of stepped out of this legacy of abuse and I'm really uh looking forward to that part of the story but I'd I'd also like to hear more of how you were coping as a as a teenager
2: yeah um so I guess kind of um fast forward to like teenage years um I was pretty um I was still doing the baton twirling thing. Um, I think at this point I kind of got to the whole beauty pageant circuit, which I hated it. I hated mm. doing beauty pageants. Um, my mother pushed me very hard to do that. And I just was like, just please don't do this. <laughs> like, Please don't have me doing this. Um, I really did it because my mother told me to. Um, I, I hated every minute of it. I could not, I didn't like what they were standing for. I didn't like the environment I was in. Cause again, I was being put in an environment I felt super uncomfortable with, with the dressing up and the clothes and the routines that I had to do. And I was just like, this is not me. I, I don't. I don't want this at all. Um, And, you know, even in the midst of that, I started to see, I started to notice that the parents with the baton twirling competition that I got were just ultra competitive. It started to really become more about them than it did the kids. Um, I remember when I had my first team tryout for the competitive teams that go to like the big the big national competitions and everything and I was just in I was in the bathroom and I was just crying my eyes out and just asking my mother please don't make me try out for this team because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be on the baton twirling team um I was afraid I didn't the girl I felt like the girls did not like me
0: Mm. I felt
2: like the coach didn't like me (laughs) I was like I want to be away from this environment. If I can, like, I don't want to be here. And I cried and cried. I cried the whole day I was there. My mother yelled at me. Just, I was so beside myself and she was literally like shaking me, like you need to
1: get yourself together. And I'm wow. like, what do, you think I was can't.
0: what do you think was behind that push? Um,
1: yeah, and that's my question. Stuff too. That's my question too, because I just keep thinking, what is like driving things. this? I know <laughs> this is what is.
2: Tra- <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Honestly, I believe it's about again that dynamic of focusing on appearances in the sense of like, I have a problem, and you're going to do everything you can to make sure that you divert the attention away from that problem. And it goes back to the whole alcoholism, you know, my dad's addiction again, it 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 seriously was a huge part of um everything that we kind of had going on. Um in terms of, you know, I think I think also my mom was trying to possibly find a way forward of like I wanna focus on something else that has nothing to do with this over here possibly
1: mm-hmm.
2: um I, I, I don't know I really can't I don't understand to I, I, I actually kind of wondered if my mom just really despised me and just was like well since you've gone through since I've gone through whatever it is that she's gone through in her life I'm just going to make sure you go through it like times 10 um To be honest,
1: oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, go ahead. It sounds like she despises herself more Mm. than she despises you. Because I know that when I'm triggered to a level, and it sounds like your mother was regularly triggered and didn't realize it, obviously had not learned any coping mechanisms or learned how to recognize when she's really set off. Mm. Um, It's because of something that has been severely damaged in myself and something that I feel like uh, I got in trouble for. So Mm. it's like I've just learned like this is something you don't do or this is something you do. You listen to me. You uh, don't do this thing because that's what was drilled into me or whatever. And that's the thing that makes me, I get really anxious about it because I feel childhood anxiety about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I feel this childhood anxiety about um, tantruming in front of people. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying something, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so when that starts to happen, I get this like, yeah, like this recurrence of this anxiety I had as a kid, Mm. like, no, Mm. this is not okay, this is not okay, and it's this, like, thing that I can't even Mm. control, and it takes so much effort to be mindful of what's happening internally, and it sounds like your mom, it, like, wasn't even about you, you know, it's about that, anger and the pain and the anxiety that she was dealing with from whatever she had experienced and so often that gets taken out on the people that we have perceived control over you know you're smaller you're weaker you're younger you're the one that can take it from her she can't do that to other adults in her life because other adults can leave. Mm. You know, other adults can walk away.
2: Yeah. Um I, I I my dad did make comments when he was around um of feeling like my mom was living through me in a way um that she's able to kind of I guess live out whatever things that she had wanted to do. Um, through me and I know that's a really big thing especially with uh, you know girls who grow up in the beauty pageant circuits and doing competitive sport and things of that nature that their parents like it's like if your parent doesn't actively step back and say whoa okay you know um, let's see if you if you really want to do this you know let's do it if you don't want to do it it's okay. I never got that conversation. It was always like, you're doing this period. (laughs) Like, um, you know, and even it's like, even after all the medals that I won or whatever, I just got to a point of like, what is the point of this? Like, what is the point of winning? What is the point of a medal? What is the point of having like baton twirling routines? You know, I just, it, it was a real struggle for me because it took something that I actually was interested in oh, and it man. just made it something completely different than what I wanted it to be yeah. in the beginning. Um, and I, I, I didn't understand and I, I feel like I'm still kind of working through trying to understand the difference between maybe my mom wanting to try to encourage me to do something um, you know, that maybe could help me versus just super controlling and taking something that I was liking and turned it into something that she wanted for me. Um, I I was like, I don't really know what that was, but.
1: And as a kid. Yeah, it's super confusing. And I I was going to say that I can, on some level, though definitely not anywhere near the degree to which you experienced it, but I can somewhat empathize with the struggle you're talking about. I think a lot of people can because uh, for me in particular, I could sing as a kid and I liked it. I enjoyed it.
0: Mm. And
1: uh, it wasn't so much, I mean, it was pressure I think from my mom, but not, she was never super aggressive about it, but I think there was a level of expectation there that I could feel that we could both feel, you know, but it was also from just the, the people I was around like, Oh, okay. Katie's the one that does this. Let's have Katie do this. Let's have Katie sing. Let's have, you know, like, and that was not anybody's fault, but it was just that pressure. And I started like, as I, got older it was and even now i'm still wrestling and going through like did i really do i really want to continue to pursue that as an adult mm-hmm. you know would i mm-hmm. you know or was that something that i just kind of forced myself into because of the expectations around me and with the type of experience you went through i can imagine that that's your mom's emotional investment And the line between that and your emotional investment Mm -hmm. become, it becomes really fuzzy, really confused.
2: Yes. Um, Like I, yeah, my mother, I guess here's, I guess here's the switch. Like my mom. um, So I had the opportunity to basically um, baton twirl with the world team. This is the, wow. Yeah, it's the United States Twirling Association, and they do, like, a U.S. world team. Um, They have, like, individuals, but then they have, like, an actual team that represents for the, you know, in the world competition. That's cool. And I was approached by two big coaches. Um, One of them was, like, my idol like I like I watch all your routines on YouTube like I love what you're doing oh just absolutely amazing coach um and another one was like she was a, she was an amazing baton twirler on the U.S. world team at the time and um my they both of these coaches approached my mom and were like we want your daughter to baton twirl um we want her you know to come try out so on and so forth um one of them was already giving me moves and things and i was just trying to incorporate those things in my routines and i was like i'm gonna get these tricks down i got them down everything nobody else was doing these tricks the way I was I I I was like I don't want to sound like you know I'm just the greatest but I just I I knew that I was doing everything I could to be a part of this team yeah and my mom was like no she's not joining that and I was like why not? And she's like, you need to focus on your schooling and you're not doing this, this, and this, which to be fair at that time in my schooling, I I was not focused, uh, (laughs) the way that I should have been. I wasn't like failing every class, but it was, it was getting bad. Um, but my mom just she can she didn't even consider it of like you know okay well your schooling's not going to fall off so this and, this and this and this and this needs to happen there was no negotiation it was just like you're not doing this. oh my gosh just
0: you were, completely striving like, at something and excited and about it it sounds like completely that was big, too. It. Mm. oh my gosh
1: well mm. and what's odd too is that it's from The rest of your story, it sounds like something that she was really emotionally invested in, like for you. Like, right? What a bizarre. You know what? Have you ever entertained? Now, this doesn't have to go in or whatever, because this is just psychoanalyzing here, but I mean, I can (laughs) if you don't mind. But um, have you ever entertained the idea that she had conflicting feelings about what you were doing? Like, that she really was living vicariously through you but also jealous yes so, yeah i i it's hard because i
2: i cannot even entertain the thoughts that anyone would be jealous of me, let alone oh. my mother <laughs> you know i'm just like why like there's nothing to be jealous of That's regarding not true. me <laughs> at all i feel um and so Thought that my mother could be jealous of me was just kind of like, what? Like I don't understand this at all. And this is where I kind of wondered, of like she just—it was always like this weird sabotage thing of I'll allow you to get this far, but then I'm just gonna squash whatever it is that you want to do.
0: It almost sounds too as if like anything came because of you and not because she was pushing for it. And like that step towards like independence maybe, and something really being your own. Yeah. But that that wasn't acceptable, basically. Yeah.
2: And so a lot of my teenage years was that, um, trying to get to the adult hill part. But a lot of my teenage years was that, um, you know, in <laughs> in high school, I was kind of known as like, I was the emo black girl Um, I would be wearing like all black and I think I think it was like middle school and then that kind of phased out wearing the little ties
1: with the scene (laughs) haircut oh I did the
2: ties (laughs) Um, and just you know just completely having the whole look down she hated it but I was like I don't care this is the way I am I'm gonna do me (laughs) you know and I kind of yeah, I, I was basically like, I'm rebelling, you know, you're not going to tell me how to w- like, what to wear. And then you're just like, I don't care. It's like, well, I guess I think at that point I started to understand I need to try to forge something for myself yeah. because my mom wasn't going to do it for me. Um, you know and and that st- that was still a struggle of like wanting my mom to like notice certain things and she just refused mm-hmm. um so in, in in the midst of that my dad was still in and out um it got to a point he like moved to florida for like a whole year and we had no idea wow. that he had been down there family knew about it and didn't tell my mom and my mom would just be like completely beside herself like why would you hide that type of thing wow and all this time you know my mom struggling to make ends meet um you know she she was working, but she I've noticed she started to work longer hours, and you know the whole drama with work and so on and so forth too um and I started to notice she was starting to use my identity without my permission. And so she would just like put my name on a credit card and I'm like, where oh, did this credit oh my card gosh. come from? And, I'm, and then she would be like, oh, well, you need it to kind of build up your credit. And I'm like, um, okay. Like, because I didn't understand what that meant mm-hmm. as a teenager, you know, to be quite honest with you, I was like, oh, okay. And then I questioned it again and I was like, I don't, I don't actually want this. And I actually got my own bank account as a, say, to be like, look, I have my own bank account. Yeah, You know, I didn't know what I was doing (laughs) getting my own bank account, but I was like, I have this and you can't touch it and you're not going to, you know, I don't know what you're doing over here, but I don't want it. I want oh. you to get rid of that. She didn't get rid of it. And I, you know, I just signed away on things that she asked me to sign for. And I just didn't
1: think. Well, oh, you were a baby.
2: Um, I mean, when <laughs> we were a teenager, you know, just. No.
0: I had, I had
2: no idea what was going on.
0: Well, nobody told you what was going later. on either, so. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, Um, there's a pattern emerging here, you know, of you being completely someone else's to take advantage of entirely, like your whole, through your whole adolescence and childhood and teen years. And it's like that kind of stuff. Now getting to adulthood, it's that kind of stuff that you like, this is what you've learned about yourself, you know, and, and. How do you cope with that? How do you deconstruct that? Like, where do you even begin? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tending Lambs, featuring our dear friend, Vincenza. Find out her answer to my question and more about her story and what her life is like now as an adult survivor of abuse on next week's follow up episode so much for listening to tending lambs there's always so much more that can be said so if you'd like to continue the conversation please join us in the tending lambs facebook group we're also on facebook at facebook.com tending lambs instagram at tending lambs and for show notes our blog and other gentle parenting resources check out tendinglambs.com. if you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content we now have a patreon We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com tendinglambs And as always, until next time.